All right, and welcome back to What's the Bible Say? Today will begin the day that we start reading the book of Romans. Uh, once again, I'll be using the easy-to-read version, so for all you fans of the these and the thous and wherefores and canst's, I'm sorry, I won't be having those. <laughs> not that they're not valuable, and, you know, they do add a flavor, you know. Um, I'm not opposed to the King James version or what have you. There are some I don't, I don't really care for. But easy to read. Since I'll be reading, I get to choose, right? And again, I hope it's easy for you to understand since it is easy to read. And it's kind of written in modern vernacular. So I think that it lends a bit to the overall concept that we're looking for from the text. And that is, let it be easy to understand. So let's get started. We'll start with Romans chapter 1. Greetings from Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. God chose me to be an apostle and gave me the work of telling his good news. God promised long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures to give this good news to his people. The good news is about God's Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. As a human, he was born from the family of David. But through the Holy Spirit, he was shown to be God's powerful Son when he was raised from death. Through Christ, God gave me the special work of an apostle to lead people of all nations to believe and obey him. I do this all to honor Christ. You are some of those who have been chosen to belong to Jesus Christ. This letter is to all of you in Rome. God loves you. He has chosen you to be his holy people. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I want to say that I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. I thank him because people everywhere in the world are talking about your great faith. Every time I pray, I always remember you. God knows this is true. He is the one I serve with all my heart by telling people the good news about his son. I pray that I'll be allowed to come to you. It will happen if God wants it. I want very much to see you and give you some spiritual gift to make your faith stronger. I mean that I want us to help each other with the faith that we have. Your faith will help me and my faith will help you. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know that I've planned many times to come to you, but something always happens to change my plans. I would like to see the same good result among you that I've had for my work among other non-Jewish people. I must serve all, those who share in Greek culture and those who are less civilized, the educated, as well as the ignorant. That is why I want so much to tell the good news to you there in Rome. I am proud of the good news because it is the power God uses to save everyone who believes. To save the Jew first, and now to save those who are not Jews. The good news shows how God makes people right with himself. God's way of making people right begins and ends with faith. As the scriptures say, the one who is right with God by faith will live forever. God shows his anger from heaven against all the evil and wrong things that people do. Their evil lives hide the truth they have. This makes God angry because they have been shown what he is like. Yes, God has made it clear to them. There are things about God that people cannot see, his eternal power, and all that makes him God. But since the beginning of the world, those things 
have been made easy for people to understand. They are made clear in what God has made, so people have no excuse for the evil they do. People knew God, but they did not honor Him as God, and they did not thank Him. Their ideas were all useless. There was not one good thought left in their foolish minds. They said they were wise, but they became fools. Instead of honoring the divine greatness of God, who lives forever, they traded it for the worship of idols, things made to look like humans who get sick and die, or like birds, animals, and snakes. People wanted only to do evil, so God left them and let them go their sinful way, and so they became completely immoral and used their bodies in shameful ways with each other. They traded the truth of God for a lie. They bowed down and worshipped the things God made instead of worshipping the God who made those things. He is the one who should be praised forever. Amen. Because people did those things, God left them and let them do the shameful things they wanted to do. Women stopped having natural sex with men and started having sex with other women. In the same way, men stopped having natural sex with women and began wanting each other all the time. Men did shameful things with other men, and in their bodies they received the punishment for those wrongs. People did not think it was important to have a true knowledge of God. So God left them and allowed them to have their own worthless thinking. And so they do what they should not do. They are filled with every kind of sin, evil, greed, and hatred. They are full of jealousy, murder, fighting, lying, and thinking the worst things about each other. They gossip and say evil things about each other. They hate God. They're proud, rude, and brag about themselves. They invent ways of doing evil. They don't obey their parents. They're foolish. They don't keep their promises. And they show no kindness or mercy to others. They know God's law says that anyone who lives like that should die. But they not only continue to do these things themselves, but they also encourage others who do them. Romans chapter 2. So do you think that you can judge those other people? You are wrong. You're too guilty of sin. You judge them, but you do the same things they do. So when you judge them, you're really condemning yourself. God judges all who do such things, and we know His judgment is right. And since you do the same things as those people you judge, surely you understand that God will punish you too. How could you think you would be able to escape His judgment? God has been kind to you. He has been very patient, waiting for you to change, but you think nothing of His kindness. Maybe you don't understand that God is kind to you so that you will decide to change your lives. But you're so stubborn. You refuse to change, so you're making your own punishment greater and greater. You'll be punished on the day when God will show His anger. On that day, everyone will see how right God is to judge people. He will reward or punish everyone for what they have done. Some people live for God's glory, for honor, and for life that cannot be destroyed. They live for those things by always continuing to do good. God will give eternal life to them, but others are selfish and refuse to follow truth. They follow evil. God will show His anger and punish them. He will give trouble and suffering to everyone who does evil, to the Jews first, and also to those who are not Jews. But He will give glory, honor, and peace to everyone who does good, to the Jews first, and also to those who are not Jews. God judges everyone the same. It doesn't matter who they are. People who have the law and those who have never heard of the law are all the same when they sin. People who don't have the law and are sinners will be lost. 
And in the same way, those who have the law and are sinners will be judged by the law. Hearing the law does not make people right with God. They will be right before Him only if they always do what the law says. Those who are not Jews don't have the law. But when they naturally do what the law commands without even knowing the law, then they are their own law. This is true even though they don't have the written law. They show that in their hearts they know what is right and wrong. The same as the law commands, and their consciences agree. Sometimes their thoughts tell them that they have done wrong, and this makes them guilty. And sometimes their thoughts tell them that they have done right, and this makes them not guilty. All this will happen on the day when God will judge people's secret thoughts through Jesus Christ. This is part of the good news that I tell everyone. What about you? You say you're a Jew, you trust in the law, and proudly claim to be close to God. You know what God wants you to do, and you know what is important because you have learned the law. You think you are a guide for people who don't know the right way, a light for those who are in the dark. You think you can show foolish people what is right, and you think you're a teacher for those who are just beginning to learn. You have the law, and so you think you know everything and have all truth. You teach others, so why don't you teach yourself? You say they must not commit adultery, but you yourself are guilty of that sin. You hate idols, but you steal them from their temples. You're so proud that you have God's law, but you bring shame to God by breaking His law. As the scriptures say, people in other nations insult God because of you. If you follow the law, then your circumcision has meaning. But if you break the law, then it is as if you were never circumcised. Those who are not Jews are not circumcised. But if they do what the law says, it is as if they were circumcised. You have the written law and circumcision, but you break the law. So those who are not circumcised in their bodies, but still obey the law, will show that you are guilty. You're not a true Jew if you're only a Jew in your physical body. True circumcision is not only on the outside of the body. A true Jew is one who is a Jew inside. True circumcision is done in the heart. It is done by the Spirit, not by the written law. And anyone who is circumcised in the heart by the Spirit gets praise from God, not people. Romans chapter 3 So, do Jews have anything that others don't have? Do they get any benefit from being circumcised? Yes, the Jews have many benefits. The most important one is this. God trusts the Jews with His teachings. It is true that some Jews were not faithful to God, but will that stop God from doing what He promised? No, even if everyone else is a liar, God will always do what He says. As the scriptures say about Him, you will be proved right in what you say, and you will win when people accuse you. When we do wrong, that shows more clearly that God is right. So can we say that God does wrong when He punishes us? That's the way some people think. Of course not. If God could not punish us, how could He judge the world? Someone might say, when I lie, it really gives God glory because my lie makes His truth easier to see. So why am I judged as a sinner? It would be the same to say, we should do evil so that good will come. Many people criticize us, saying that's what we teach. They're wrong, and they should be condemned for saying that. So, are we Jews better than other people? No, we have already said that those who are Jews, as well as those who are not Jews, are the same.
they are all guilty of sin. As the scriptures say, there is no one doing what is right, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who is trying to be with God. They have all turned away from him, and now they are of no use to anyone. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their words come from mouths that are like open graves. They use their lying tongues to deceive others. Their words are like poison of snakes. Their mouths are full of cursing and angry words. They're always ready to kill someone. Everywhere they go, they cause trouble and ruin. They don't know how to live in peace. They have no fear or respect of God. What the law says is for those who are under the law. It stops anyone from making excuses. And it brings the whole world under God's judgment because no one can be made right with God by following the law. The law only shows us our sin. But God has a way to make people right and it has nothing to do with the law. He has now shown us that new way which the law and the prophets told us about. God makes people right through their faith in Jesus Christ. He does this for all who believe in Christ. Everyone is the same. All have sinned and are not good enough to share God's divine greatness. They are made right with God by His grace. This is a free gift. They are made right with God by being made free from sin through Jesus Christ. God gave Jesus as a way to forgive people's sins through their faith in Him. God can forgive them because the blood sacrifice of Jesus pays for their sins. God gave Jesus to show that He always does what is right and fair. He was right in the past when He was patient and did not punish people for their sins. And in our own time, He still does what is right. God worked all this out in a way that allows Him to judge people fairly and still make right any person who has faith in Jesus. So do we have any reason to boast about ourselves? No reason at all. And why not? Because we are depending on the way of faith, not on what we have done in following the law. I mean, we are made right with God through faith, not through what we have done to follow the law. This is what we believe. God is not only the God of the Jews. He is also the God of those who are not Jews. There is only one God. He will make Jews right with Him by their faith, and He will also make non-Jews right with Him through their faith. So do we destroy the law by following the way of faith? Not at all. In fact, faith causes us to be what the law actually wants. Romans chapter 4 So what can we say about Abraham, the father of our people? What did he learn about faith? If Abraham was made right by the things he did, he had a reason to boast about himself. But God knew different. That's why the scriptures say, Abraham believed God, and because of this, he was accepted as one who is right with God. When people work, their pay is not given to them as a gift. They earn what they get. But people cannot do any work that will make them right with God, so they must trust him. Then he accepts their faith, and that makes them right with him. He is the one who makes even evil people right. David said the same thing when he was talking about the blessing people have, when God accepts them as good without looking at what they have done. It is a great blessing when people are forgiven for the wrongs they have done, when their sins are erased. It is a great blessing when the Lord accepts people as if they are without sin. Is this blessing only for those who are circumcised? 
or is it also for those who are not circumcised? We've already said that it was because of Abraham's faith that he was accepted as one who was right with God. So how did this happen? Did God accept Abraham before or after he was circumcised? God accepted him before circumcision. Abraham was circumcised later to show that God accepted him. His circumcision was proof that he was right with God through faith before he was circumcised. So Abraham is the father of all those who believe but are not circumcised. They believe and are accepted as people who are right with God. And Abraham is also the father of those who have been circumcised. But it's not their circumcision that makes him their father. He is their father only if they live following the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. Abraham and his descendants received the promise that they would get the whole world. But Abraham did not receive that promise because he followed the law. He received that promise because he was right with God through his faith. If people could get God's promise by following the law, then faith is worthless. And God's promise to Abraham is worthless because the law can only bring God's anger on those who disobey it. But if there is no law, then there is nothing to disobey. So people get what God promised by having faith. This happens so that the promise can be a free gift. And if the promise is a free gift, then all of Abraham's people will get that promise. The promise is not just for those who live under the law of Moses. It is for all who live with faith as Abraham did. He is the father of us all. As the scriptures say, I have made you a father of many nations. This is true before God, the one Abraham believed. The God who gives life to the dead and speaks of things that don't yet exist as if they are real. There was no hope that Abraham would have children, but Abraham believed God and continued to hope. And that is why he became the father of many nations. As God told him, you will have many descendants. Abraham was almost a hundred years old, so he was past the age for having children. Also, Sarah could not have children. Abraham was well aware of this, but his faith in God never became weak. He never doubted that God would do what he promised. He never stopped believing. In fact, he grew stronger in his faith and just praised God. Abraham felt sure that God was able to do what he promised. So that's why he was accepted as one who is right with God. These words, he was accepted, were written not only for Abraham. They were written also for us. God will also accept us because we believe. We believe in the one who was raised, Jesus our Lord, from death. Jesus was handed over to die for our sins, and he was raised from death to make us right with God. Romans chapter 5 We have been made right with God because of our faith. So we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through our faith, Christ has brought us into that blessing of God's grace that we now enjoy. And we are very happy because of the hope we have of sharing God's glory. And we are also happy with the troubles we have. Why are we happy with troubles? Because we know that these troubles make us more patient. And this patience is proof that we are strong. And this proof gives us hope. And this hope will never disappoint us. We know this because God has poured out his love to fill our hearts through the Holy Spirit he gave us. Christ died for us when we were unable to help ourselves. We were living against God, but at just the right time, 
Christ died for us. Very few people will die to save the life of someone else, even if it's for a good person. Someone might be willing to die for an especially good person, but Christ died for us while we were still sinners, and by this, God showed us how much He loves us. We've been made right with God by the blood sacrifice of Christ, so through Christ, we will surely be saved from God's anger. I mean that while we are still God's enemies, He made friends with us through His Son's death. And the fact that we are now God's friends makes it even more certain that He will save us through His Son's life. And not only will we be saved, but we also rejoice right now in what God has done for us through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is because of Jesus that we are now God's friends. Sin came into the world because of what one man did, and with sin came death. So this is why all people must die, because all people have sinned. Sin was in the world before the law of Moses. But God does not consider people guilty of sin where there is no law. But from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, everyone had to die. Adam died because he sinned by not obeying God's command. But even those who did not sin that same way had to die. That one man, Adam, can be compared to Christ, the one who was coming in the future. But God's free gift is not like Adam's sin. Many people died because of the sin of that one man. But the grace that people received from God was much greater. Many received God's gift of life by the grace of this other man, Jesus Christ. After Adam sinned once, he was judged guilty. But the gift of God is different. His free gift came after many sins, and it makes people right with him. One man sinned. And so death ruled all people because of that one man. But now some people accept God's full grace and his great gift of being made right. Surely they will have true life and rule through the one man, Jesus Christ. So that one sin of Adam brought the punishment of death to all people. But in the same way, Christ did something so good that it makes all people right with God. And that brings them true life. One man disobeyed God and many became sinners, but in the same way, one man obeyed God and many will be made right. The law was brought in so that more people would sin the way Adam did, but where sin increased, there was even more of God's grace. Sin once used death to rule us, but God gave us more of his grace so that grace could rule by making us right with him. And this brings us eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans chapter 6. So do you think we should continue sinning so that God will give us more and more grace? Of course not. Our old sinful life ended. It's dead. So how can we continue living in sin? Did you forget that all of us became part of Jesus Christ when we were baptized? In our baptism we shared in his death. So when we were baptized, we are buried with Christ and took part in his death. And just as Christ was raised from death by the wonderful power of the Father, so we now can live a new life. Christ died and we have been joined with him by dying too. So we will all be joined with him by raising from death as he did. We know that our old life was put to death on the cross with Christ. This happened so that our sinful selves would have no power over us then we would not be slaves to sin. 
Anyone who has died is made free from sin's control. If we die with Christ, we know that we will also live with him. Christ was raised from death, and we know that he cannot die again. Death has no power over him now. Yes, when Christ died, he died to defeat the power of sin one time, enough for all time. He now has a new life, and his new life is with God. In the same way, you should see yourselves as being dead to the power of sin and alive for God through Jesus Christ. But don't let sin control your life here on earth. You must not be ruled by the things your sinful self makes you want to do. Don't offer the parts of your body to serve sin. Don't use your bodies to do evil, but offer yourselves to God as people who have died and now live. Offer the parts of your body to God to be used for doing good. Sin will not be your master, because you're not under the law. You now live under God's grace. So, what should we do? Should we sin because we're under grace and not under law? Certainly not. Surely you know that you have become the slaves of whatever you give yourself to. Anything or anyone you follow will be your master. You can follow sin, or you can obey God. Following sin brings spiritual death, but obeying God makes you right with Him. In the past, you were slaves to sin. Sin controlled you, but thank God, you fully obeyed what you were taught. You were made free from sin, and now you're slaves to what is right. I use this example from everyday life because you need help in understanding spiritual truths. In the past, you offered the parts of your body to be slaves to your immoral and sinful thoughts. The result was that you lived only for sin. In the same way, you must now offer yourselves to be slaves to what is right. Then, you will live only for God. In the past, you were slaves to sin. And you did not even think about doing right. You did evil things, and now you are ashamed of what you did. Did those things help you? No. They only brought death. But now you are free from sin. You have become slaves of God, and the result is that you live only for God. This will bring you eternal life. When people sin, they earn what sin pays, death. But God gives his people a free gift, eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans chapter 7, brothers and sisters, you all understand the law of Moses. So surely you know that the law rules over people only while they're alive. It's like what the law says about marriage. A woman must stay married to her husband as long as he's alive. But if her husband dies, she's made free from the law of marriage. But if she marries another man while her husband is still alive, the law says she's guilty of adultery. But if her husband dies, she is made free from the law of marriage. So if she marries another man after her husband dies, she's not guilty of adultery. In the same way, my brothers and sisters, your old selves died and you became free from the law through the body of Christ. Now you belong to someone else. You belong to the one who was raised from death. We belong to Christ so that we can be used in service to God. In the past, we were ruled by our sinful selves. The law made us want to do sinful things and those sinful desires controlled our bodies so that we did only what brought us spiritual death. In the past, the law held us as prisoners, but our old selves died and we were made free from the law. 
So now we serve God in a new way, not in the old way, with the written rules. Now we serve God in the new way, with the Spirit. You might think I'm saying that sin and the law are the same. That's not true. But the law was the only way that I could learn what sin means. I would never have known it was wrong to want something that's not mine. But the law said you must not want what belongs to someone else. And sin found a way to use that command and make me want all kinds of things that weren't mine. So sin came to me because of the command. But without the law, sin has no power. Before I knew the law, I was alive. But when I heard the law's command, sin began to live and I died spiritually. The command was meant to bring life, but for me it brought death. Sin found a way to fool me by using the command to make me die. Now the law is holy, and the command is holy and right and good. Does this mean that something that is good brought death to me? No, it was sin that used the good command to bring me death. This shows how terrible sin really is. It can use a good command to produce a result that shows sin at its very worst. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am not. I am so human. Sin rules me as if I were its slave. I don't understand why I act the way I do. I don't do the good I want to do, and I do the evil I hate. And if I don't want to do what I do, that means I agree that the law is good. But I'm not really the one doing the evil. It is sin living in me that does it. Yes, I know that nothing good lives in me. I mean, nothing good lives in the part of me that is not spiritual. I want to do what is good, but I don't do it. I don't do the good that I want to do. I do the evil that I don't want to do. So if I do what I don't want to do, then I am not really the one doing it. It is the sin living in me that does it. So I've learned this rule. When I want to do good, evil is there with me. In my mind, I'm happy with God's law. But I see another law working in my body. That law makes war against the law that my mind accepts. That other law working in my body is the law of sin. And that law makes me its prisoner. What a miserable person I am. Who will save me from this body that brings me death? I thank God for his salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. So in my mind, I am a slave to God's law. But in my sinful self, I am a slave to the law of sin. So now anyone who is in Christ Jesus is not judged guilty. That is because in Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit that brings life made you free. It made you free from the law that brings sin and death. The law was without power because it was made weak by our sinful selves. But God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son to earth with the same human life that everyone else uses for sin. God sent him to be an offering to pay for sin. So God used the human life to destroy sin. He did this so that we could be right just as the law said we must be. Now we don't live following our sinful selves. We live following the Spirit. People who live following their sinful selves think only about what they want. But those who live following the Spirit are thinking about what the Spirit wants them to do. If your thinking is controlled by your sinful self, there is spiritual death. But if your thinking is controlled by the Spirit, there is life and peace. Why is this true? 
because anyone whose thinking is controlled by their sinful self is against God. They refuse to obey God's law, and really, they're not able to obey it. Those who are ruled by their sinful selves cannot please God. But you are not ruled by your sinful selves. You are ruled by the Spirit, if that Spirit of God really lives in you. But whoever does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Christ. Your body will always be dead because of sin. But if Christ is in you, then the Spirit gives you life because Christ made you right with God. God raised Jesus from death, and if God's Spirit lives in you, He will also give life to your bodies that die. Yes, God is the one who raised Christ from death, and He will raise you to life through His Spirit living in you. So, my brothers and sisters, we must not be ruled by our sinful selves. We must not live the way our sinful selves want. If you use your lives to do what your sinful selves want, you will die spiritually. But if you use the Spirit's help to stop doing the wrong things you do with your body, you will have true life. The true children of God are those who let God's Spirit lead them. The Spirit that we received is not a Spirit that makes us slaves again and causes us to fear. The Spirit that we have makes us God's chosen children. And with that Spirit, we cry out, Abba, Father. And the Spirit Himself speaks to our spirits and makes us sure that we are God's children. If we are God's children, we will get the blessings God has for His people. He will give us all that He has given Christ. But we must suffer like Christ suffered, then we will be able to share His glory. We have sufferings now, but these are nothing compared to the great glory that will be given to us. Everything that God made is waiting with excitement for the time when He will show the world who His children are. The whole world wants very much for that to happen. Everything God made was allowed to become like something that cannot fulfill its purpose. This was not its choice, but God made it happen with this hope in view that the creation would be made free from ruin, that everything God made would have the same freedom and glory that belong to God's children. We know that everything God made has been waiting until now in pain like a woman ready to give birth to a child. Not only the world, but we also have been waiting with pain inside of us. We have the Spirit as the first part of God's promise. So we're waiting for God to finish making us His own children. I mean, we are waiting for our bodies to be made free. We are saved to have this hope. If we can see what we are waiting for, that is not really hope. But people don't hope for something they already have. But we are hoping for something we don't have yet, and we are waiting for it patiently. Also, the Spirit helps us. We are very weak, but the Spirit helps us with our weaknesses. We don't know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself speaks to God for us. He begs God for us, speaking to Him with feelings too deep for words. God already knows our deepest thoughts, and He understands what the Spirit is saying because the Spirit speaks for His people in the way that agrees with what God wants. We know that in everything God works for the good of those who love Him. These are the people God chose because that was His plan. God knew them before He made the world, and He decided that they would be like His Son. 
then Jesus would be the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. God planned for them to be like his son. He chose them and made them right with him. And after he made them right, he gave them his glory. So what should we say about this? If God is for us, no one can stand against us. And God is with us. He even let his own son suffer for us. God gave us his son for all of us. So now with Jesus, God will surely give us all things. Who can accuse the people God has chosen? No one. God is the one who makes them right. Who can say that God's people are guilty? No one. Jesus Christ died for us, but that is not all. He was also raised from death, and now he is at God's right side, speaking to him for us. Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Can trouble or problems or persecution separate us from his love? If we have no food or clothes or face danger or even death, will that separate us from his love? As the scriptures say, For you we are in danger of death all the time. People think we are worth no more than sheep to be killed. But in all these troubles we have complete victory through God, who has shown his love for us. Yes, I'm sure that nothing can separate us from God's love, not death, life, angels, ruling spirits. I'm sure that nothing now, nothing in the future, no powers, nothing above us or nothing below us, nothing in the whole created world will ever be able to separate us from the love God has shown us in Christ Jesus our Lord. All right, and that'll wrap up uh, today's first part of the book of Romans. Uh, next time we'll hit uh, 9 through 16. Um, but so I just hope that that was um, encouraging for you to hear the book of Romans first half there and how that, you know, the complexity of how God works in the life of a believer. There's this living spirit that we have and, you know, there's the, the sinful nature and there's the new nature and really we just have to choose and try to keep focus on what God wants, you know, and, and be led by that. And that will give us confidence that we are not doomed to God's wrath and judgment because we know that if we're saved, we're saved, you know, God gave us a spirit. So just think about that. And uh, like I said, next time we'll get back to the second half there of Romans. So until then, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Thanks for listening. See ya.